Thank you guys so much for joining us here at Rock Fellowship. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. And for those of you guys who are joining online, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you, Rowan. Um, today is what we call a standalone message in our church. So uh, we often like to speak in series, you know, like three, four, five-part series. Um, but today is a, a standalone meaning. It's not really connected with any other message. So if this is your first time here, this is a great weekend to be here because we're all on the same page. Um, but before I talk about what we're talking about today, I want to quickly preview what's happening next week. Next week is a special weekend for our church here at Rock Fellowship because next week is a joint service with, ser- joint service with our Korean ministry. And our speaker next week will be our conference president, Dan Linderud. He'll be coming to deliver the message. It'll be translated. And the thing that you need to know that's very important for next week is service is at 11 a.m. next week, not 12 p.m. Boo, I'm sorry. I know this is like worse than... Daylight savings, that whole change, right? Like doing church one hour early. I know that's hard. But tomorrow, uh, next week, when is it? 11 a.m. So please come to church at 11, 11 a.m. Uh, for Sabbath schools. There, we will not be having our service Sabbath schools, our English ministry Sabbath schools. We'll go straight into service and after that, lunch and, and carry on with all the other things that we're doing. So that's next week. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with like how we do things at church, but you know we're part of a larger body and we have an organization and the local kind of body above us is called the conference. It's the Oregon Conference and the president. It's a big deal. He's coming to speak with us. We were supposed to have this service a few years ago, right after our building was built in March 2020. And then if you guys remember, something happened in March 2020. I kind of forgot. It's kind of a, it wasn't really a big deal, but we had to like not meet up for church. And so um, two years later, he's finally going to be with us and to worship with us and, and to speak uh, God's word to us. So that's gonna, next week's going to be great. Our service is going to be leading it, so um, our, our ministry, so our praise, everything will be led by our team in English, and the message will be in English, and then just translate it into, into Korean. So um, that's what's happening next week. Today, today for me is a really, really big day, very important day for me, because today's message is something that I've been, that's been on my heart for like two years which is crazy, right? It's something that I've been thinking about and praying about for like two years. Like, I'm serious, I'm not even exaggerating. Two years I've been thinking about this, and so I finally get to talk about it today. I'm super excited. Um, and so today's message is really like kind of two things. It's kind of a, a, a normal sermon type for half of it, and the second half of it is just kind of like me sharing something on my heart, kind of a testimony, kind of experience. So you're getting kind of both of those today. So uh, I, hope you're, I hope you're excited to be here. I'm excited that you're with us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, I thank you, Lord, once again for the Sabbath day where we can rest, we can step out of the, the, the dullness and the commonplaceness of our lives and be here in your presence with family, worshiping and listening and being challenged and changed by you, God. So, Father, I pray for your spirit to be here. Uh, help, it, help us to be aware of your spirit and help us to have hearts that are open to your spirit today. Work on us today. Work on us today, Father, and work in our church. Your name we pray. Amen. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, God gave a promise to Abraham, and it was a big deal. It was a, a huge promise that God gave, God, God gave him, and it's in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, and I want to start today by reading that promise. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, 
and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, which sounds amazing if you're someone who's receiving this promise from God. Like, I'm gonna bless you. But what's really, really important is what he says afterwards in verse three. He says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, this promise that God gives Abraham is of global scale. Okay, this is not, I'm going to help you out and bless your family. Yes, I'm going to do that. But by blessing your family, actually, uh, the family down the street, they're going to be blessed. And actually, the family in that, in that other city, they're going to be blessed. And then that country is going to be blessed. And actually, the entire world is going to be blessed. Like, this is a global initiative. This is a global endeavor, what God is doing here. And it's global to the point where, like, we've never seen anything like that in the entire world, in history, where, where, where something that, of that global scale would come to fruition, right? Uh, I know the youth know this, but there's a lot of products that are global products in this world. Do you guys know what's kind of the, the most global product in the world? What is it, youth group? You guys talked about Sabbath School today? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is one of the most global products in the entire world, right? Like almost every country, I think the only country that doesn't really get Coke is North Korea. That sucks. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then if you think about all these other products, right, all these other things, right, like there's so many global things, like Amazon, which we think is so global, it's actually not that global. There's a number of countries where you actually can't get Amazon, service there. Like, you can't get things delivered. So I'll tell you what those are so that you make sure you never move there, right? Because, like, I don't know. It's hard to imagine a life without that. So as, as global as the, the companies and the businesses and the products that we know uh, in, on this planet, what God was doing here was bigger and huger and just more, more expansive than anything we've ever seen. Now, this was not just kind of a, a pipe dream, right? This was not just like a nice thought where God says to Abraham, is like, hey, just make you feel better, make you happy, like we're going to do some good stuff. No, no, God had a plan. And God had a strategy to actually bless the entire world through this one family. And that plan is what we call the kingdom of Israel. God said, I'm going to bless the entire world through you by creating this thing called the kingdom of Israel. Of Israel. Right now, when Abraham was there, he was just one guy, right? He didn't have any kids. He didn't have any family. But he says, I'm going to build a kingdom from your line. And there's going to be an entire nation. And through this nation, I will bless the entire world. And so he explains later uh, through Moses. Moses, one of the, the greatest leaders of Israelite history, before they enter into this place called the Promised Land, which is where we currently have like Israel and, and Jerusalem and stuff like that, before they enter into that, and before they go into a place to actually build the kingdom of Israel, the method and strategy of the plan to bless the entire world, this is what Moses says to the people. He says, now Israel, Hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract uh, what I command uh, from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So this is like a, hey, everybody, listen up. This is super important, right? This is the thing. This is what we've all been looking for. This is all what we've been hoping for. It's happening, guys. So I need you to pay attention and don't mess around. Don't add things, don't subtract things. Stay with me, okay? And then he says, explains to them, this is what's gonna happen. Talking about the laws. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all the decrees and say, surely this great 
great, great nation is wise and understanding people, a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? So, so, so he explains that what's going to happen is we're going to be an amazing country, right? Um, we're going to be an amazing country. And he, he doubles down on this later in Deuteronomy. He says to them, when we do this thing, this is what's going to happen. He says, there is no, no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. So Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dews. Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. So basically, all of this is to say the plan was what we call a theocracy. The kingdom of Israel was to be a theocracy, meaning there wasn't going to be a king. Instead, God would be the king of Israel. So he says, okay, guys, we're going to set up this whole brand new thing called the kingdom of Israel. I'm going to be your king. You're not going to have a human king, all right? So get that out of your heads. No human king. I'm your king. And what's going to happen when I'm your king, because I'm God, and I made these laws, and I'm going to govern the laws, and I'm going to govern the land, and I'm going to do all this stuff, this country is going to be amazing, right? Everyone's going to be like, wow, I want to live there. That is fantastic. Look at the place there. It's, it's, it's prosperous. There's so much, like, there's so much going on there. There's so much economic health, right? Like, there's so much grain and, and harvest, and it's fantastic. Like, no one's hungry there, right? Like, in, in Israel, there's a salt and straw, like, on every corner, you know? Like, there's just so, it's just, like, flowing, flowing. It's wonderful, right? And this is the, the nation we're going to build, guys. And then other people will say, that's amazing. Let's go check it out. Let's see what they're doing that we're not doing because our people are hungry and our people are fighting. They're united. We're divided. What are they doing? That's crazy. I, I would love to learn. And so the idea was these people from other nations would come and they would walk around the streets and be like, oh, okay. Okay, I see what you're doing here. Okay, okay. So tell me, what's the secret, guys? Israel, what's the secret? How is it that you can make a kingdom like this, how can people be living like this? And they would say, you know what, honestly, the secret is we worship God, and he's our king, and we serve him, and like, we're all about that. And they're like, really? And the, the hope and the plan was people would see that and say, well, if they're so successful and everything's so great in their country because they serve God, maybe we should serve God too. Maybe we should accept that God as well. And in this culture, this was not a big deal. Because in this culture, in this time, where, where people believed in many gods, you didn't have to pick and choose like this God or this God. You could just add gods. Like, okay, I believe in these gods, but apparently this God of Israel is pretty awesome. So let's throw him in and let's start believing in him too. And then God would eventually, as he had people committed to him, would basically be like, hey guys, so you know about those other gods? They're all bogus. They're not real, don't worship them, worship me and I'll take care of you guys. And that was the plan. That was the plan so for God to bless Abraham and through him bless the entire world. It was this kingdom where God was in charge. And so if you really look at it, what it really comes down to, it was a come and see model, a come and see. Come to our country 
and check it out. See what it's like here. See how fantastic it is. And are you interested in knowing what we know, learning what we learn, and doing what we do? Come and see. Come and check it out. Like this was the model of the Old Testament and the kingdom of Israel, how they were going to help other people and bless other nations. Come and see. And if you think about it, this is very similar to the way many of you guys may live your life as well, especially when it comes to the idea of like witnessing, evangelism, sharing Jesus, whatever you want to call it. You know, we're, we're not so much about like, I'm going to go to the street corners with a megaphone with signs, but you've probably had this thought, if I just follow Jesus, if I just do my best to follow Jesus, obey God, serve him, and I live a certain way, I feel like people will kind of wonder, hey, what's the deal? How come you're not stressed when everyone's freaking out? How come this bad thing happened to you, but you're still like, you know, you're okay and you're hanging through? How come I have so much anxiety, but you have so much peace? Like, what's going on? And then we have that opportunity to be like, oh, well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Like, I, my hope is in da 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 Like, that's kind of how many of us view how we want to share Jesus is through the come and see model, right? Come and look at my life and see my life, and hopefully you might be interested in believing and knowing and doing what I do. So what happens is Israel functions like this for about a thousand years, and there's like ups and downs, right? Sometimes good, King David's there, they switch to kings, and King David there is great, Solomon's there, other kings not so great. So ups and downs, ups and downs. Ultimately, the kingdom of Israel kind of fails. And the kingdom of Israel fails because they say, you know what, that whole theocracy thing, we're not really into that. We want to do something different. We kind of just want to be like everyone else. So they give up their uniqueness, what made the kingdom of Israel special to be like everyone else. And guess what? They became like everyone else. They had the same problems as everyone else. All the things that other nations were dealing with that they didn't deal with, now they were. And actually, it got so bad that it, it, it got to the point where they weren't just like everyone else. They were worse than everyone else. They were worse than the nations that served these other gods who did like child sacrifices. They started getting worse than that. And you see that through all the prophet books, the minor prophet books, talking about how they've, 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 they've had a downward spiral. And they lost it. And eventually, they get conquered by another nation, and they go into exile. And man, it's just like, it's just over and that's kind of the challenge with the come and see model, right? Come and check it out. Look how great it is to follow God. Is it kind of dependent on the people? And that's kind of the problem. Because we're not perfect people. We make mistakes and we follow God and follow Jesus imperfectly, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, if, if we say, I'm going to live a certain way that will make people want to follow Jesus, that's a lot of pressure, and we say, but like, let's think about it. That's a lot of pressure. If me following Jesus is the reason why people are going to believe, you better do the right thing. Like that is a ton of pressure we're putting on ourselves. And within the come and see model, that's like kind of what it's about. And so maybe we see that in our world today. You guys, what we have to understand is what, the, what we're working with right now as far as like reaching people for Jesus we're not dealing with non-Christian people. I hope you guys understand that. You know, and like churches do evangelism and all that stuff. We're not dealing with non-Christians. It's actually the, the what we have to understand the situation is it's non-Christian versus post-Christian. And these are two very different kinds of people. Non-Christians are people who have no exposure to faith or Christianity or Jesus or church. Post-Christian are people who did have exposure. They did go to church and at one point they decided it's not for me. 
I'm going to step out. These are two very different people. And in our world, especially our country, there are more post-Christians than non-Christians. There are more people who have had an experience in church and have decided it's not for them. And you, you deal and, and you, you, you respond to non-Christians and post-Christians very differently because non-Christians are generally curious and open. They wonder, you know, maybe it would work. Come and see what would work in that way. But a post-Christian, there's hurt there. There's pain there. There's a reason why they stepped away. Something may have happened to them growing up. Someone may have hurt them in the church, right? So what we have to understand is we're dealing with a post-Christian country, a post-Christian world. And within a post-Christian world, they're like, yo, you said come and see. Guess what? I went and I saw, and I'm okay. I grew up in it. I was in youth group for 15, 18, 20 years and now I'm not, and there's reasons why I'm not. And I, I didn't just fall away. I have reasons. Right? Like, this is what we're talking about in our country, in our world today. They said, I came, and I saw. And some of it, you know, as a church leader, guys, like, i got to be honest with you, it, like, it, it frustrates me, and it's really hard, because so many times I'm like, it's not fair. Not everyone's like that, right? Not every church is like that. Not every church does that or says that or teaches that. Right? And I think about our church, and I think about you as individuals. You guys are amazing people. Like, I love you. You are fantastic. You represent Jesus, like, totally, man. I love it. And so I'm like, you know, don't judge all the church because of the bad experiences you had, which is fair. But that's the world we live in. We do make those assumptions. We do judge groups. We do do that. We do do that. And in our world today, they may have been exposed to Christianity, maybe not in the church, but online, on social media, on television, and it does not look great. Can we be honest about that? Here, what we have to, what we have to come face to face with is this is hard for me to say, okay? This is difficult, but especially for younger people, okay? What we have to understand is that right now, Christianity has lost the moral high ground. Right? Like, that's actually really hard for me to say. What that means is in our world, in our country, in our society today, just because someone is Christian doesn't mean you assume that they're a good person. In years past, in generations past, that was a safe assumption. And people view that way, viewed Christians that way. But now, that's not the case. We've lost the moral high ground for, for some reasons that are fair and some reasons that are unfair, absolutely unfair. But that's the world that we live in right now. So come and see, how is that going to work? When they're like, there's nothing to see. See, for Israel, at one point, they couldn't do it anymore. Because there was nothing to see. There was no kingdom anymore. The walls were broken down. The buildings were broken down. The people were spread out. There was nothing to see. But in the midst of that, in the midst of their exile, in the midst of there's nothing to see in Israel, God speaks a prophecy to Isaiah and gives a message of amazing hope. In Isaiah 43, 19, he says, See, I am doing a new thing. Right? This is in the middle of the exile when everything is horrible and come and see is not working and the nation has failed. He says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He says, I know it's really bad, guys, but I'm working. 
Like God's like, I'm working, right? I know maybe you gave up. God's like, I didn't give up. I'm working. I'm on the case. I'm on the job. And I'm doing something brand new that no one has seen before. I've done it. I'm doing it. And it's coming. I need you guys to pay attention and see it and hear it and feel it. And I need you to get on board with it. And that thing that he's doing is not a thing. That thing was a person. That thing, that person, that was Jesus. He says, I'm doing something new. I'm no longer going to build a kingdom based on people. I'm going to send my son. And he's going to make everything better. So he sends his son. And Jesus comes on this earth to change everything. To flip things around. To take things back from how they've become to the way they're supposed to be. And so Jesus comes on this earth. And he does not build a kingdom of Israel. He brings the kingdom of God, which is a totally different thing. And people are all like, Jesus, when are you going to build the kingdom of Israel? And he says, I'm not doing that, guys. I'm not building the kingdom of Israel here. And like, oh, no, but you should be our king. And he's like, guys, we're not doing that. What I'm doing right now is I'm bringing the good news that the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God is here. And it's different. And it's new. And it's special. And it's never going to fail. Because it's not a nation of people and ethnicities and culture and race. It is a nation of heart and mind and spirit. It, it, it is not dependent on our behavior. It is not dependent on how good or how bad we are. It is dependent solely on the person of Jesus Christ. And it will not fail. And this is what Jesus does. And he talks about the kingdom of God is like this. The value system is completely upside down. All the things that you thought were important, they're not important. Actually, this is important instead. And this is a way better way to live. And this is a way better life. And so he comes and he ushers in this new era where he says, it's the kingdom of God. This is the new thing that he's doing. And it's based on his sacrifice on the cross for each and every one of us. You're a part of the kingdom because you accept that, because you accept that you're a sinner, because you accept that you need grace. And so this kingdom is, is, the, the, is, is all, all full of grace and mercy like Ernie was talking about last week. It's all about grace in this kingdom. And then he shifts another thing. Before he leaves... He says this in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, which we know if you're in the church, group in the church as the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go, go, go. And then a couple a couple days later, a couple weeks later, not really sure, but in Acts chapter 1, before he goes up to heaven, he says to his disciples again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they are, but also Judea, where they're not and they would have to go, Samaria, where they'd have to go, and guess what, to the ends of the earth where they would have to go. So Jesus makes a huge shift here. From come and see to now go. Go. We're going to bless the entire world no longer by this come and see, but now we're going to bless the entire world by going. And it's not just a going, right? Like as you read the Acts verse, 
As we read the Acts verse, it's like there's a going part of it, but there's also a with part of it. Like you're gonna go, but you're not gonna go alone. You're gonna go with me. Like wait for the Holy Spirit. We're gonna go together and we're gonna do this thing, right? So he makes this shift from come and see to now go with me. And I know that's like this cheesy rhyme and I was trying to avoid it, but like it's kind of catchy, right? It's not come and see, it's go with me. Like, it's not just about you acting right and behaving right. I'm going to go with you. We're going to go together. Come and see. Now it's go with me. And I think what that really looks like for us as individuals, and that's something we're going to have to wrestle with. For you as an individual, a believer in Jesus, who comes to church, worships God, says you believe in him, what does it look like for you to go? What does it look like for you to go? Right, we typically see that as, okay, that means you got to be a missionary. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you have to move. Maybe you have to go on mission work. Maybe that is what God is calling you to do. Maybe. Maybe it's calling, that is God calling you to the streets or to the city. Or maybe it looks completely different for you. But that's a question that we want to wrestle with. What does it look like, God, for me to go with you? Right, and what this is based on, I think what this looks like in, in a more clear picture is Jesus says in John chapter 5, when, when people were, were, were saying that Jesus was breaking the Sabbath by working, this is what he says to them. He says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus is at work in the world right now. Right? Like right now, as we're sitting here in church, Jesus is at work outside our building, in the city, in our community. He's working on people's hearts, and he's working in people's lives. And now he's saying, let's go. So what I think this looks like is not just a simply going and then just like kind of spraying out the gospel. No, it's go with me to where I'm already working. Like you're not going to be the first one there. I already, I'm already there. So what does it look like for you in your life as an individual to go with God to where God is already working? What does it look like to go with God to where God is working. When you think about your life and your community and the people around you, where do you see God working? Who's that neighbor that you sense God is working on their heart? Maybe there's a church member, someone in church where you're like, I feel like God is working, go there. Maybe it's a school. Maybe it's some parents or some families at your kid's school. Hey, I feel like God is working, go there. That's this question that you and I, as individual Christians and believers, will need to struggle and wrestle with. But there's another element of this that is even more challenging. What does it look like for the community to go? Right, because if, if we all as believers are accepting this and we're like, okay, no longer come and see, let's go, what does it look like for a church to, quote unquote, go? with God to where God is working? What does it look like for the church to go? Because right now, the kingdom of God is not stationary. It is mobile. The kingdom of God has legs. The kingdom of God has wheels. It's on the move. So what about the church? Because let's be honest, largely the church is still come and see, isn't it? Come and see. Come and check out our worship service. We have a great service. We got great praise bands. We got a great preacher. 
Hopefully you say that. I don't know. Uh, we, we got a great youth ministry. We got a great children's program. We got these great events. Come and see. We got great community. We have great relationships, small groups. Come and see. Come and see. Like that's kind of how we operate. And I'm not saying we got to do, do away with that completely. I believe that there is a huge place for the local church. Absolutely. The building, the people in the community worshiping together. I totally believe that's so important. It has a place. But I have to wrestle with this. What then does it look like for the church to go in this new season of life, in this new era of the world that we live in? What does it look like for us as a community to go? Last week, Ernie was talking about this, you know, revelation and the end times, and, and I don't know, some of you guys, if you guys were here, but a lot of that, man, it's like there's so much evil and wickedness in this world. And evil and wickedness is expanding, and it is growing, and it is spreading, and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like then that goodness and the love of Jesus also needs to spread and go and expand. Right? If evil is going to expand, then we need to expand as well. We need to grow as well. We need to spread as well. So what does it look like? And that's the question that I've been struggling with is what would it look like if the church had legs? What would it look like for the church to be on the move. So six years ago, I came to this church, moved to Oregon. I've been to Oregon once in my whole life and had a, actually not a great experience. Had some of the worst Korean food I've ever had in my entire life, you know, back in the day. But we moved to Oregon. Um, and I came to this church. And I don't know, some of you guys were here, but as I looked at the church and I kind of thought about where the church was at, I had, I had kind of essentially diagnosed, I feel like, where the church was at. And this is what I said. I said, guys, you haven't had a pastor for two years. And so right now, the church, you guys are in survival mode. Right? Like that's what it was six years ago, survival mode. Like, doesn't matter who does it. Doesn't matter how great it is. Just do it, right? Like, we just need someone on the stage. Like, you don't play guitar? Here's a guitar. Figure it out. It'll be fine, you know? You don't, you don't preach sermons? It's okay. Here, go for it, right? Like, you, you, you never taught kids? It's okay, man. Just do it. Like, we got to get it done. We need something going. And it was actually really awesome. As great, and it was great, even though it was kind of this survival mode, this mentality. But that's what the church was at, like, six years ago. And over the last six years, man, I've seen things change and grow and and it's, 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 it's just a different experience here, man. And we're like, we're all blessed by it, right? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like this is a great church, a great community with great programs, great people, great leadership, great, great, great musicians. Just like, man, it's just, it's just awesome. Like, and I, I just really love being here and being at this church and serving, and it's fantastic. But a couple years ago, as we built this building and stuff, and as I kind of thought about where we were at and where we're going, God put a question on my heart. And the question was kind of a scary question. The question was, what's next for Rock? Like, what's next? Right, like, you built this great building, awesome. You have great leaders, awesome. Praise is great. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the youth or the adults. It's just, like, fantastic. And, like, I'm moved every single week. Like, we have small groups where people are sharing and doing life in community. Our children's program is just fire. Our youth program is fire. It's, like, amazing, right? Like, and then God was like, okay, that's great, Chris, but what's next? Now what? Like, is this it? Are you just going to, like, make this great church and then just, like, live in it for the rest of your life? Like, what are you going to do, Chris? What's next for rock? And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that's why I get paid the big bucks, okay, to think about those questions. 
What's next? Farak. And so over the last like two years, I've been praying and thinking about it and it had some answers and it had some directions and like nothing really, nothing really stuck, you know? And then pandemic hit. And as, as for many people, pandemic changed a lot and it changed a lot for me personally as well. Because as, as pandemic hit and everyone was just like scrambling, like, okay, how are we going to do church like this? We got to use this camera. I don't know how to use this camera. Like, I don't know how to use this program. Why does it look like that? Why am I so blurry? Why is Pastor John so orange in this video? Like, what's going on, right? Like, we're like just scrambling. And then I look at other churches just scrambling and trying to figure out stuff. And what I saw in pandemic is, like, we were, I thought we, were, we did a great job. Like, I thought we dealt with it as best we could. I thought it was pretty good. And then I looked at other churches, and, and, and churches were just declining and dying through the pandemic. And it was like, wow. And I began to realize that church ministry right now, as it is, is very siloed. Like, you're kind of in your own world. And it's like, this is my church, and this is my world. And like, these are my people. Like, don't touch my people. Don't try to take my members. Right? Like, it was kind of that. And, and, and if there's a church down the street or a church, another place, and they're like not doing well, it's like, oh, man, that sucks. That really sucks. I'm so sad. But like, that's not my problem. And to be honest, guys, like, I got to be honest with you, that, that's how I felt. I looked at kind of the situation, and I was like, at least we're doing okay. And then God changed my mind. and He changed my heart. And he's like, that's not okay, Chris. Right? Like, we are connected. And that's what I began to realize. Like, all the churches, we who are part of the kingdom of God, we're all connected. Right? So, like, a church, if something great happens at another church, we should be celebrating what's happening. If a church is struggling, we should be hurting with them and praying for them. You know, and I began to, to change my mind and say, I can't just be like, oh, whatever, at least my church is fine. You know, and, and I've had these comments said to me, and like, it's, it's, it's weird because it's a great comment, but then it's a sad comment as well. Like, people would go home or, or to their, where they grew up, they go on vacation or something, and they come back and they say, Pastor Chris, so I, I went over here and I went to church, and let me just tell you, man, I'm so grateful for Rock. And in that moment, I'm like, yeah, that's like fantastic. But then that's also really sad, isn't it? Like that's also really sad that there's churches that are just like, man, having such a hard time and people are just leaving and, and falling away and, and souls are just being crushed, you know? And so what happened with me is I, I began to think about things differently and, and seeing other churches differently and then I started to look at kind of the landscape of our Korean Adventist churches. And I know that there are many of you who are not Korean. And if you're not Korean, I'm so glad that you're here. Fantastic. It's wonderful. I, I love you. And I'm so glad you're here. I, I know that some of you are not even Adventists. And if that's you, that's awesome. Like, I'm so glad you're here and spending this time with us. But you have to understand that's like my home, right? Like, that's where I grew up. Like, that's a part of who I am is growing up in this Korean-American Adventist identity and in, in these churches. And as I looked at the landscape, man, it is really, really bad. And I don't want to talk about other churches and what they're going through and tell you what's happening. But for the most part, if you think about your home church, if you're a Korean and you're Adventist, and you think about your home church, or maybe if you're not, maybe if you just are not, but you think about your home church, more likely than not, it's in a really rough spot. right? So just think about the church you grow up in and wonder how it's doing. 
most churches, including my own home church, struggling, man. It's not looking good. It's really, really bad. People aren't growing. It's not even steady. It's not even plateaued. It's just in decline, man. Right? This is how, this is the situation that we are in right now. And as I looked at that, it broke my heart, guys, honestly. I was like, oh, no. What are we going to do? Right? Like, it's, and I felt like I couldn't just sit here and be like, okay, well, everything's great in Oregon, and everything's great in Portland. It's, like, fantastic. We have a great church here. I couldn't do that anymore. So I began praying and thinking about it and, and wondering, and as I looked at the situations and what was happening, I mean, there's lots of reasons why these churches are, are struggling the way they're struggling, but, but one of the main things that I've seen is there's a lack of leadership in these churches, right? And, 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 and with all the things they're facing, if they had strong leadership, if they had strong pastoral leadership especially, like I feel like they could have made it through, and they could have done a great job, and they could be growing and healthy, and they could be strong right now in this moment, but they didn't have that. And then when you don't have that, you can't really, like, afford to hire a pastor, right? Because you don't have enough money, and you can't get an FTE from the conference. And so it's, like, a really, really rough situation. And, and the other side of the challenge is that when we look at our own community, like, there's not that many pastors coming out of school. There's not that many young pastors. Within the Korean community, Korean community, this year, graduating pastors, there's one. And you guys met him. His name is Pastor Eden, and he was our intern last year. He's the only, only one in this country. People don't want to be pastors. Why not, guys? It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, like, oh, tell your kids to be pastors. I'm not going to tell you to do that. Because it's not for everybody. God needs to call you absolutely. So that's not my point, right? But as I look at the situation, I don't see anything changing. And that's the problem. As I look at our young pastors and I look at the landscape of the churches and where they're at, like, there's nowhere for them to go, even if there were a bunch. But there aren't, right? So, like, what, what are we going to do? And, and, and I, I realize that this is not just in the Korean church. Like, I talked to a couple of pastors, and they're seeing this everywhere. They're seeing this all over the place. So it's not great. It's not a great situation that we are in for the church. So... And I looked at it, the question I had, or the thought I had was like, this is horrible. And the question, or the thought was, someone needs to step up. I never should have asked that question. Because in that moment, God asked me another question, and he said, why not rock? I was like, God, God, are you, what are you saying, God? Like, we're dealing with the pandemic right now. Okay, we got enough to deal with, but God said, why not rock? Why not rock? And I couldn't shake it. I could not shake that thought. Why not rock? Why not rock be the church that steps up in this moment? Why not step up and, 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 and be that? Like, what if we did become, become this church that actually helped other churches? You know, what if we were a church that really believed in the connection and the kingdom of God and the capital C church where we connected with churches and, and helped them into, into health and strength and, and growth? What if? What if we began to think that we can grow our own church by growing other churches? Not just people, but churches. 
What if we could expand and, and, and grow and, and increase our kingdom influence and our kingdom impact by multiplying what we do here? Not just like adding one person here and there, hoping that someone's going to come and see and stick, but what if we went? What if we began to multiply as the early church did because we got a great thing going on here? we got a great thing going on here. So what if we reached out and connected with another church who, who may be struggling, but they got the pieces, right? And all they need is a leadership to, to, to grow, and they could just take off and be a healthy church. Like, what, what if we, we did that? What if we expanded and, and grew our influence and our impact by connecting and partnering with other, with other churches? You know, and so, so this has been on my mind for the last, like, two years, and I've been praying about it. And honestly, part of it was like, God, if you don't want this, take it away. I don't want to talk about it because this is different and crazy, and, like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Take it away from me if this is not what you want. If this is from somewhere else, if this is from me or whatever, take it away. Hasn't gone away, guys. It hasn't gone away. And so I've been thinking and praying about this for, for a while now, about what if we, we took on this role. And I know some of you guys are like, what is this even about? Like, this is my first time here. Like, what are you talking about? But, you know, at the same time, whether you are Korean or Adventist or whatever, I think you would want to be at a part of a church that is missional, though, wouldn't you? Like a church that is intentional and strategic and is moving and trying to make an impact and trying to change things and do things differently. Right? Like, what if Rock became that church? What if we pioneered a new way, a new way that churches and pastors relate to one another? Right, because the old system was this. The old system was, we are a church, we need a pastor. So you go find a pastor, and you hope and you pray that that pastor knows what he's doing. And if he doesn't, he has a hard time, the church struggles, and he moves. And he moves to a different church with broken confidence, or he leaves ministry, or she leaves ministry because it was too hard. Right, like that's the old system, and I just don't see the old system working anymore. I don't see how that's going to fix anything. I don't know how that's going to do anything. What if Rock was a pioneer and pioneered a new way of doing church, a new way of churches and pastors working together? And, and, you know, I mean, some of you guys might be like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And at the same time, as new as it was for me to think about this, this is not a new thing, right? In like the global or grand church community, this is kind of called multi-site. And so this is something we've been praying about and thinking about. And so I, I talked to the board about it about five months ago. And so we've been talking about it for five months and praying about it and, and wondering if this is the direction that we need to go. And we've been talking and struggling and, and lots of questions, lots of wondering what this, is, what this is all about. And so we were talking and trying to figure out, and like, would, would, would anyone even want to do this? Like, who would want this? Who would want our church to reach out and be like, hey, like, why don't we work together? Why don't you, like, maybe we can help you guys out. We can provide leadership, like, that kind of stuff. Like, who would even want that when they could probably just, like, find a pastor, hire them, do their own thing like we normally do? And so we prayed about that, wondered about that, thought about that. And so some of you guys know, and, and there's a reason why I want to share this, is last week I went to Arizona. Arizona, one of the churches that have joined us through the pandemic and watched our services and stuff like that. I, I went there, and I gave a sermon there. And, you know, I just want to put it out there. I don't know, I don't know if you guys had this thought, but, like, my mom was like, Chris, why are you going to Arizona? Why are you going to Arizona, right? And my mom was like, are you going there for, like, an interview, for like a job? And so I don't know if anyone had that thought. 
that was not it, okay? Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not trying to move to a different church. I'm not trying to be a pastor of a different church. So if you were concerned or thought about that, don't worry. That was not happening. I went to Arizona, and I gave a sermon. I preached there, and then we talked about this. Is there interest? Is there, is there some, some thought that maybe this could work? And so I just brought it up to them. We had a conversation in the afternoon, and, and overwhelmingly it was pretty positive, and, and people were interested in, in, in learning more and thinking more and, and maybe moving in this direction. But as you guys, I mean, as I'm talking about this, this is big. This is different. This is huge. This is changing things, right? And so we as a church and as church leadership, we're not just going to, like, make these decisions and just do Right, we're not just going to do whatever we want to do. What you guys think and what you guys feel matters to us. Right? So I wanted to, we wanted to preach, I wanted to preach this message today to share with you my heart and what God has put on my heart and what I'm thinking about and what we're dealing with as a church leadership as we ask, try to answer the question. Right? The question is, what's next for Rock? As we think about that, this is where God is leading us, or I believe that. But we obviously, we need to encourage feedback and thoughts as well. So what we're, doing, what we're doing right now is as I talk about this, in a few weeks, on April 30th, the last Sabbath of this month, we're going to have a meeting for people to kind of chew on it as if for the next few weeks to chew on it, think about it. And you're welcome to talk to me individually. You're welcome to, me, to come to me and ask questions and be like, Chris, you're crazy. What is this? What is this? What is this? I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm, I'm happy to answer those questions and talk to you about that. Right? So, so you can do that, but on April 30th, the last Sabbath of this month, after potluck, we're going to gather and we're going to talk about it and we're going to invite thoughts and feedback and questions and we're going to talk about it together as a community as we figure out how to move forward and answer that question, what's next for Rock? What does it look like for us as a church to have legs? Right? So that's what's been on my heart and that's what has been like I've been thinking about for the last couple years. Now, as we close... There's obviously kind of like a, a very churchy kind of like part of this message and what we're going to do. And I know that not all of you guys are like, you know, you're not members here and you're just checking it out and, and whatever. And, and you're not super committed. And that's totally fine. And we're so happy that you're here. So for, for you, I think the question that you have to really think about is what I mentioned earlier as we end this message is, what would it look like for me to go with God where God is already working? What does it look like for me to go with God to where God is already working in my life? Because I think he's called you to go. I don't know where, but he's called you to go. He's called you to move. He's called you to be a person to share the love of God and share the character of God. Where do you need to go? Where is God working in your life? Who, are, who is God working with in your life? Where do you got to go? That's the question I want you to ask yourself this week. And if you are a regular member here, you're invested here, you're connected here, you're committed here, I want you to think about that. But the other thing I need you to pray about this week and for the next month, honestly, is to pray, what is next for Rock? What is next for Rock? What is God's will? What is God's plan? What does God have in store for our community and our church in this next phase? What does that look like? And that's what I'm going to be praying over for the next month um, and I want to encourage and invite you all, please, please pray with me to understand what is God's will for us in this next season. What is next for Rock Fellowship? And I invite all of you guys April 30th for that meeting in the afternoon as we talk about all the different intricacies and details. And again, I'm happy to answer those questions and what's on our minds. Um, if you want to after service today, during lunch, you can text me, you can call me, email me anytime. We got to talk about it. I want to invite your feedback and your thoughts. God has called us to go. So what does it look like for us to go? What does it look like for you to go? Let's pray. God in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for 
for being here with us. And Father, in this moment, I believe that you are, you are working because you said in John 5, you're always working. And I believe you're working right now in this moment in my heart, in my mind, and on many hearts and minds of people in this church and in this community. Father, as we seek your will and ask that question, what's next for Rock? I pray that you would give us eyes and ears to see and hear what that is. But God, we also pray for the courage to follow you. All I know, God, is I want to follow you. And I want to go where you are sending us as a community, together, as a family. Thank you, God, for each person in this room. Lord, speak to us. Challenge us in this next month and show us the way. In your name we pray. Amen.